Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place to have meaningful conversation in a safe place. This week on the Refuge Project, we're going to be talking about the space for Christians in the culture, Pharrell Williams, and flying Teslas. What? What? How you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Can't complain. Doing real good. I'm still, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still uh, trying to recover from uh, Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I got a, uh, I'm officiating a wedding in a couple weeks, so I, I've got to make sure that that suit fits. So I don't know how that's gonna go. So y'all, and you guys, uh, you know, follow my progress on social media. <laughs> I know, <laughs> man. Progress pic. <laughs> right. Speaking of that, so um, I preached the message a couple weeks ago, and I went out and got me a new shirt for it or whatever. And that was before Thanksgiving, mm. and so it was everything fit well. And then it was like, how much are you guys eating on Thanksgiving? Lot. Enough that your clothes don't fit Look, from a week before. You got like two percent body fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that too. But well, this is my other thing is I'm not like I don't get super excited about Thanksgiving food. Like at least half the food at Thanksgiving, like all the dressings and the casserole stuff, I don't care about at all. So I'm just about the ham, turkey, the rolls, mashed potatoes, See, and then of course the pies. For me, but. it's not about the one day. So <laughs> <laughs> I. So, your problem is you're just so thankful. Right, we just exactly. got about twelve yeah. amens right now. You're just right, way amen. more thankful than me. No, than no, 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 no. <laughs> so I work all year long, and and then owning my own company, uh, I only get off the week of Christmas and the week of Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. So. That week, you know, we're we're partying. Yeah. You know, we're going out to eat it almost every single night. So and, that's and, why a, a shirt you bought a week before. Right, exactly. Week. So it just it just works out that way. We're kind of eating out a lot. We're doing some Christmas shopping on Thanksgiving week before yeah. that, getting ready for Thanksgiving. And the whole, you know, eating three basket of chips at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Dude, you or, get it. Or all of the biscuits or the rolls at a Texas Roadhouse. Or, How about Luby's? Oh, I was about to say that. Or all the <laughs> Never had fish. a problem with that, man. You just got to uh, go on some walks, dude. Walk it off. Do some squats, man. What? Do some squats. Burn squats. some calories. I'm going to have to look that up in the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> then you can eat as much turkey as you want. You walk it off. You walk it off. You I'm eat so much you. turkey, you become the turkey. But yeah, no, but no, I, I, you know, I feel what you're saying because... You know, even after that, uh, me having in-laws as well. So we now we have two, you know, we have two uh, places that we got to be. And then after that, we went and we got, like like you, you know, we, we went out to eat, got some steaks, some amazing steaks, uh, a little place in Leona County. Oh, you went to the steak place. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The general store, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I'm. You know, you know when something's real good. Whenever you talk about it, and then you taste it in your mouth at that moment, you're like, mm. I need mm. to go to that place. I know Pastor's been talking about it for uh, some uh, some yeah. time now. Everybody up there always talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. I went once, but it was a long time ago. Yeah. You go up there, you order a ten ounce steak, and they cook it however way you want it, which. Uh, and we won't even get into that conversation because everybody has their own way. If you don't eat it like this, okay, well, then just, you're just real quick, how do you eat your steak? Oh, here we go. Just real quick, how do you eat your steak? Either medium or medium rare. Okay. But I can do it pretty oh. much however. Okay, you? I like mine burnt. 
I really? like, oh, you're the well, well done That's guy. That's why he don't want to say it, right? Yeah, because he knows guy. he's the guy that everybody's always talking <laughs> yeah. trash about. You're like, how, how dare you eat that steak like that? That's not eating steak. That's oh, you're eating a hockey puck. Right. I'll let you borrow one of my leather boots. <laughs> um, I like my hour on my medium because I can eat it medium, but I like it a little bit better than that. So a lot of times they overcook it. So I can't do the rare. I can't do That's, the rare. That's a little too much for me. Yeah. And we're still mooing. Yeah. yeah. And then the the well done, I'll pr- I can usually still do, but a lot of times it's just too dry. Well done. I'm, I'm having to use a dip, and I do not like to use have to dip. Well, my see, steak I'm an A1 something. guy. I like A1. I don't care. I love A1. If A1's I have great. to dip it, I'm sending it back. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like every, almost every time I've had a steak where they're like, "No, you don't need steak sauce on this it's one." It's like, "No, I need steak sauce." I'm always sauce. like, "This ain't as good as you think it is." Well, <laughs> well I, it's just because you have a taste for almost, A1. Uh, yeah, it's probably it, but yeah. I mean, it's I, it's kind of like ketchup on fries. They're like, "This is such a good fry, you don't need ketchup." It's like Never heard of it. But the ketchup would make it better. Yeah, you got to have ketchup with fries. Of course. Right. Yeah, I have a friend who never eats ketchup on fries. What about ranch and fries? Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I approve no. of your friends. James. Well, that's that's his <laughs> argument is if it's a good fry, you don't need ketchup, which so, is kind of true. But at the same mm, time, why can't I still have some ketchup on it and just make it that much better? My thing is, how come you don't never put ketchup on baked potatoes? Baked potatoes, right? It's kind of the same thing. Wait, are you a ketchup eater? Well, because you're putting other stuff on there, right? I'm, I do ketchup on my uh, my hamburgers. I don't do mustard or mayonnaise. I'll I'll do either. Yeah, I'm I mean, a, I'll I, eat I'll eat mustard, but it's just normally if, like especially if you go somewhere like a drive through and get a hamburger, mm-hmm. they always like put half a bottle on there. No, and they, they go just, heavy. Yeah, and then they're you're dropping it all over yourself while you're trying to drive. I usually find stuff. it's the opposite that it's like it's not enough of the condiment. Really, really, yeah. yeah. You're gangster, bro. Yeah, man. I'm just <laughs> no. You want to hear gangster? My aunt out there, Aunt Janine, she's the ketchup on everything, girl. She's the Ketchup on. She probably put ketchup on steak. I'm pretty sure. Let let me tell you something about your aunt Janine. We had some homemade tamales Uh brought to the church one time. She did not. And she was like, "Does anybody have any ketchup?" She's a ketchup on everything. I'm like, no. I almost passed out. You know, I'm pretty white, but I'm in the culture of uh, tamales. (laughs) I tell you, but she's she don't care, dude. She's like, look, I know it's weird. I don't care. I want the ketchup. And then the other white lady up there, she was like, Pastor David is white, by the way. She said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you would put ketchup on your tamales. Has anybody got some picante sauce? As if that's any better. Exactly. That's better, right? When there was homemade salsa brought with the tamales. Was that little green one? Oh, both of them. The no. green and the red was brought. And they were trying to put ketchup and picante At sauce. At least the picante is still in like the same category. It's- mm. oh. it's, yeah, it's all made from tomatoes, but it ain't the same. It's not the same. It all comes from the ground. That's, I, that, that's the only common Hey, before I freak out and do James on y'all, let's just jump in yeah, to the culture to corner. Oh, I was about to tell you about some ketchup on fajitas. But, uh, oh, no. Yeah, we're gonna go no, we're right gonna past that. Place, but I've seen some stuff. Wow. Their chips and ketchup. There should be a fine for those things. Yeah, Tax. for sure. I know James probably got all kinds of crazy I stories got about stories, food. Man. So hey, let's 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 just table that. We're gonna come back to like some table food. that yeah. really. Yeah, come yeah. on. We're gonna come back. There you go. We're gonna come back. We'll talk about some food stuff later. That probably be a pretty good podcast. But uh, (laughs) all right, Pharrell Williams has got a new show on Netflix. Netflix called Voices of Fire. Mm -hmm. It's him and his uncle. 
uncle, he's a bishop, Eli, I think Eli Williams. I think it's, it's real Ezekiel. biblical. Ezekiel. Ezekiel, yeah, Ezekiel. Uh, Williams. And uh, they're going around the whole country trying to put the best gospel choir together. And uh, I know Pastor Caesar, you said you finished the. I watched of- it. I actually binged it. It's not too many episodes, but it's enough to be like, "Are you serious? You spent that much time on that?" But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so is it good? It's um, it has its moments. Sometimes it, it can get into the little cheesy category, but not not like some other Netflix things. Right. Um, I think they approached it in a very genuine kind of way. Um, there are moments where they really do talk about gospel and. And uh, what that means, transformation and, and, and the goodness of God and those kinds, which is really refreshing for a Netflix show. Yeah. Um, but then they also just kind of, I mean, it's Pharrell Williams, you know, Pharrell, he's, um, I don't know if he's ever confessed Christianity. Um, he probably had an upbringing in it. Right. Maybe. He's talked about his faith in the past, um, but he's definitely the king of pop music. You know, mm-hmm. now that Michael Jackson's gone, he's probably... One of the biggest, he's up there. Producers out there, yeah. Um, so yeah, but he would say things in the in the series, just kind of like, man, you feel that energy, you feel that, and those kind of yeah. things. And then it was cool because then his uncle would say, "Well, that's the Holy Spirit," you yeah. know. He would say something like that, but but it's not going to cost the uncle because he's already in the business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, I, I you know I encourage you uh, if you're looking just for some kind of in the background kind of viewing whenever you're doing stuff, it, it it's worth a, a, a little watch, you know, something you can watch with the kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything. No, no, there's, there wasn't anything, uh, uh, dirty or, 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 or wrong or things that are just kind of off color or whatever. And what's really cool. What, what I really enjoyed about it is how they, um, they were pursuing a, multi-cultural multi-generational choir sing oh, to sing cool. gospel music yeah and it's uh it's, so it's not just if you if you know when we talk about gospel music that that that's a very specific category right of of of, of music yeah. dealing with right with, with faith and stuff and and it's uh and and you have white people that they're teaching how to sing gospel right. that they've never been involved in 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 uh, how do I say it in that um, expression right. right and it's cool to see them coming into that context and uh, just kind of reinterpreting it in a way that is uh, I, I think it is culturally relevant you know and, and how they're doing it and so I, I liked it yeah because I mean gospel music in itself is a certain culture right mm-hmm. I mean it's not you don't see that in too many white Hispanic churches um, lots of soul in it a lot of uh, African-American churches and stuff like that I love gospel music. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the the energy of it. I, I love the um, the swaying back and forth in in their choir robes and that whole the whole thing. I think that's why one of the things that really drew me to the Kanye West stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. he he his stuff is built around uh, a choir. One of the, I watched the um, the trailer of the of the show and uh, my favorite part. They were in this. I guess maybe it was his uncle's church or whatever. They're sitting there and it's kind of an older church. Mm-hmm. like a traditional black church yeah. yeah and uh the old lady i don't know who she was but she was just i would tell you to drop the mic if we didn't have to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> uh so where did that come from the whole dropping the mic uh, that's it's been around for a few years yeah it was a comedy thing it all started in the comedy world where yeah, it, yeah uh where the comedy would like 
go off of one of their you know, jokes and it was being a mic dropper. Being a youth pastor, I don't know if you experience this too, but whenever you give, whenever, whenever a young person would have a mic, they would always drop the mic and be like, hey, that costs money. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. Hey, that's why the SM57 or whatever, 58, right? <laughs> the 58s, the yeah, 58s those are the best for youth programs because you can use them as a hammer. <laughs> you, yeah. you can prop a chair up on one. You ever seen those videos where they just destroy them in all sorts of different ways and then see mm -mm. if they work? And they always work. They always like, I've seen it where they, they stick them in microwaves. I seen it, I saw one where they froze it in ice and then like hammered it out of the ice. And it still worked. And used it and it was The only one I ever seen like that it was like uh, some band was on a, like, on tour or whatever and then they was having to change a tire and they needed yeah. like a, <laughs> they needed an extra little bit so they put the SM58 out there and jacked the, the trailer yep. up with it All or whatever. Right, yeah. So the way I see it here is where you see I'm rocking an Audio Technica right now. I know that you are too. James got something else over there. Studio Electronics. But uh, uh, sure uh, we can really use a sponsor right oh, now. Yes. So come on through. This is quickly becoming the world's best podcast. <laughs> quickly. So uh, you're going to want to jump on this Everybody quick. Everybody knows it. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's popping. <laughs> it's science. And listen, listen, we love your products. We would never talk bad about your products. I'm not, no, I'm talking about how great it is. The great. I know. I know. This is not a Lubies. <laughs> this is. You're going to bring that up forever. This is quality <laughs> products. We need a sound that whenever we bring up Lubies, it's just like, you know, something. All I got is the sad trombone. That's the closest I got. We'll find something. We'll find something. We'll, every time we say Lubies, it needs to be the cheer. <laughs> needs to be. The, because uh, my brother Steve, he just, he texted me earlier and he was just like, I cannot, my butt, my, my butt, <laughs> <laughs> my gut. You really, really helped your cause. <laughs> he said, just, <laughs> just for listen to, listening to y'all's Thanksgiving podcast, my stomach is hurting so bad. Y'all had me crying. I said, thanks, bro. I said, uh. We're getting a lot of good feedback from him. He said, I bet it was funny stuff. Made me want to eat some lubies. <sighs> yes. I got my, I got I don't a, know your buddy Steve, but doesn't yeah, seem do. like a smart yeah, guy. Yeah, you do. Which Steve, Steve are you talking about? The live stream Steve. Steve Quayar. Oh, okay. I know Steve. Yeah, you know Steve. Shout Steve, out to Steve. Steve, you're a smart guy. You like <laughs> lubies too? No, Steve, hold on. Steve, brother. You are ninety pounds. I, you know, I'm not gonna trust a ninety pound guy for food choices. I'm, I love you. I love you, but I lubies. Love you. I love you too, Steve. I'm gonna have to agree with Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be at least 175 <laughs> to give me some food advice. <laughs> oh. That's why you guys won't listen to me and stop buying this food. I don't. I don't weigh. I have, a, right. I have <laughs> like a. I have like a fat filter. <laughs> Whenever somebody skinny says something, it just it passes through that filter. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well be telling me to get a hot dog from Stop and Go. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Mystery Meat Monday. Uh, anyways, Pastor Caesar, Caesar, tell us about these flying Teslas. Flying Teslas. Well, it's it's, it's kind of a uh, yeah, that's kind of some clickbait there. But uh, it's uh, it's dealing with Elon Musk. A couple weeks ago, we brought to you uh, we brought a story to you that was talking about how Elon Musk wants to take people to Mars. Y'all remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, well, this is kind of uh, this is on that timeline. So they are going to um, SpaceX is going to launch sometime this week. So whenever you hear this, they have probably already launched. Um, but the thing about this launch, because they've done it before, 
they are aiming to reach 50,000 feet in altitude, which is quite significant because I believe the last test that they did was only 500 feet. So this is... Yeah, this is this is up there now. A hundred times. Yeah, yeah. So you know the um, the ship that they made, uh, they call it SN8, uh, Starship SN8, and that stands for serial number eight. Uh, it, it really looks like a uh, like a flying barn. That's what it looks like. But it's I'm made out to of. Think how high fifty thousand feet is? Like that's is that out of the atmosphere? No. What did uh, David Blaine go fifty thousand feet on balloons? He went fifty. Think so. I don't know. I mean, that was up there, though, too. It's up yeah. there. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there. How many so. feet do you need to crack the atmosphere? I don't know. I don't know. If Google that Salvador? while I... Salvador? Yeah. <laughs> He's, we really need to get that guy in here. Man, I love that guy. Um, but yeah, it's a stainless steel rocket. 20,000 feet. He went 20,000 feet. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I was saying, because I saw a thing where this guy, he did... Um, Man, he jumped out of a plane. It was some kind of like high skydive. Oh yeah, kind of when thing. he jumped from space. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was like twenty. He was. No, a, it was like around thirty thousand. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I mean, it wasn't over like a hundred thousand feet or anything like that. Well, and he was right at the edge. It's definitely in some sphere, you know. Yeah. And there's a, no, there's a couple of them there. Uh, yeah. So. Um, okay, but they're going up fifty thousand. They're going fifty thousand feet. So, and and these things are basically cargo ships, right? Mm-hmm. They want they want to be able to uh, put a hundred people in there and then fly them off to yeah, yeah. to space, right? right. So uh, this is all in their uh, in their in their their progress track to get there so mm-hmm. uh i guess whenever uh we'll, we'll keep on this story you know and uh, if they have a successful flight well then that just means we're one step closer to uh inhabiting mars in the mars yeah, yeah and a uh, cool thing is that these things are being built in boca chica texas i have no idea Sorry. where that is boca chica boca yeah. chica boca chica, boca chica, boca chica texas chica. but they are texas made ships i heard um because isn't was he already making stuff there or was this after he had his whole issue with the California government and was like, I'm moving my operation. This is probably after that. Okay. So yeah. He, yeah. Space starts at 62 miles. 50,000 feet is 10 miles. Yeah, I was going to say, cause what is it, like 5,000 something feet in a mile? Yeah. Six, so 62 miles, 62 miles space starts. So Mary, <laughs> we'll get into that one next walk week. Straight <laughs> to space. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Overnight. A pregnant Mary. A pregnant Mary. Wow. Well, well, y'all, That's how far she had to walk, people. We're giving you a glimpse into next week. So y'all just, if you're curious about it, hold on. Sorry, we were talking about it. <laughs> All right. Up next, we're gonna talk about our position as Christians in the current culture. Here we go. This is Kanye West. Follow God. Stretch my hands to you. Life like this is what your life like. Try to live the life right. People really know you push your buttons like type right. This is like a movie, but it's really very lifelike. Every single night, right? Every single fight, right? I was looking at the gram and I don't even like lights. I was screaming at my daddy, told me it ain't Christ-like. I was screaming at the referee, just like Mike. Looking for a bright light. Seagull, what your life like? Riding on a white bike, feeling like a sight fight. Pressing on the gas, supernova for a nightlight. Screaming at my dad and he told me it ain't Christ-like. But nobody never tell you when you're being like Christ. Only ever seeing me, only when they need me. Like if Tyler Perry made a movie for me. Searching for a deity. Now you want to see it free. Now you want to 
wanna see it free. Let you see it through your piece. Tell me what your life like. Turn it down a bright light. Driving with my dad, and he told me it ain't Christ like. I'm just trying to find. I've been looking for a new way. Kanye West, follow God. I, I love that song. The beat on it just kind of goes hard. It's pretty simple, but at the same time, it goes hard. It's got a nice little bass line. Um, How long has that album been out now? Over a year, right? Been, least, probably, yeah, yeah, about a year. Yeah, and is, yeah. is, is Kanye still is, is he still following? Still going. He's talking about doing another album, uh, another Christian album. Uh, the last time uh, I've seen him, he was doing a interview on the Rogan Show. I think we've talked about that a little bit, and he was... Standing up for uh, standing up for the God at that point. Did you uh, see there was a, a YouTube video? It was like a minute long, and it was like the uh, Kanye Rogan interview in a minute. Did you see that? Uh, the whole I'll spoil it. Don't matter. The whole it's so it's a minute video, right? And it's just different cuts of Kanye going God, 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 <laughs> and then God, 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 and it just goes on for like. And it wasn't the like the minute. same clip. No, being it's just in. cuts oh, yeah. of him saying God, God the whole time, over and over and over. Nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's he's holding a hard line, man. And I know he's it's got to be in a difficult spot because he has, you know, his whole family uh, uh, is on TV. And it's, you know, it's one of those shows out there that, um, whatever, for the Kardashians and all that. But we won't get into all that. But hopefully the Lord continues to open his mind. And he's a brilliant dude. Mm-hmm. Um and he's just, he sees things, he's, he's a true visionary, you know, and so he, he sees things, it's kind of like talking to, you know, uh, somebody that's um, just amazing mind, you know, we don't understand it, kind of like an Elon Musk type person, you know, they, they, they're so far ahead of our thinking that it's kind of hard to understand who they are. And uh, I think Kanye's one of those. Yeah, and you know, whenever guys. whenever Kanye came out with all of that and uh, how he's professing his faith, and I mean, he really did. He he came out hard. He came out swinging yeah. with it. He wasn't pulling any punches. He he was here in in Lakewood, and he he gave a, a really great testimony. Uh, there was still a lot of uh, a lot of hubris in what he was and how he was communicating that. But then also that just you know he's we got to give people uh, an opportunity to grow in grace. And uh, even though he is a, a a celebrity and one of the biggest, definitely, uh, that still doesn't mean that he's not afforded that same grace. You right. know, and yeah. I know I know people that have been in church for twenty years and they still act up. You know, so for sure. But but you're talking about so many Christians are starting from the bottom and they work themselves into celebrity. Mm-hmm. He's going the other way. Yeah, he's starting on the top. The mm-hmm. top celebrity, a lister, yeah, and trying to work his way backwards, yeah, that's got to be difficult, you know, yeah. uh, than growing into something. Yet now you have to grow out of something. Yeah, I yeah, liked that stuff. album a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, it's that. good. I mean, if you listen to like real Christian hip hop artists, they think that it wasn't a good Christian album, um, which I don't think is fair. I don't. But why do they say that? Like. They because the because they're good or like no because they're they're comparing it to a Kanye secular album uh-huh. when he's at the top of the list every time that he drops an album sure um, so when you have to recreate everything that you've ever said and and recreate that and put it into a different context um, it, it's not easy also whenever you have an album like College Dropout and that you know that dropped whenever I wasn't a Christian so stop judging me those that are on the other side of this microphone. <laughs> You I know, don't judge you, bro. I'm <laughs> Slim Shady on the stage. <laughs> well, whenever that, whenever that dropped, I mean that that is 
that is a master class on hip hop. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'm not the biggest hip hop head at all, but uh, I could recognize what that was. And it is it is definitely a classic album. And whenever you got something like that, you know, it's it's just like, you know, uh, you get somebody on any uh, that is a master at whatever that they do, whatever work that they release after that, it's always going to be scrutinized. Yeah. And then especially whenever this one has just so much. Uh, um what's the word here uh, just contention i guess right. you know from everybody because you got the world screaming at him saying it doesn't sound anything like the world you got the christian people uh, yelling at him saying it doesn't sound too christian to me and it's you know come yeah. on yeah, but he even me. addresses that on the album which is yeah. great but, yeah i yeah. mean i just just keep praying for him because i know he's a he's a, a guy that's trying to work his way through it all so aren't we all yep that's right all right, so let's just let's just get in conversation. I don't want this to be something that's real tight. Um, we're gonna point by point, but where do we stand as Christians in culture today? Um, there's kind of three thoughts: Christianity against culture, what's us against them. Uh, we can't mingle. Um, you know, we hold uh, opposite. Uh, views and so the influences should be opposite we should get our influence from the church they should get their influences from the world uh and then you have uh, the church that looks like culture you know that's kind of a lot of those uh fast-growing churches that you have the skinny jean uh hipster pastors, uh, hipster pastors and then uh they're they're you know they might be playing some jay-z remixes or whatever during the uh, worship service and there's really not a whole lot of difference when culture changes the church changes um, and then there's uh, the church in and for culture and that one is really kind of uh, knowing who we are in in culture who we are in Christ and because the Bible tells us that he created all of it right? So if, if he created everything, then he created culture too, right? Now, the structure of culture, he created the structure of culture. Then where it takes a difference is, is the what direction the culture goes in. And I think that the last one, when we talking about in and for, that it's more of we are Christians in the structure of culture, but we directionally, we go to different places. Where do y'all think that we fit in the best? Because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of um, Pentecostal that it's us against them, yeah. you know, and then we have to be totally separate from uh, the world and we can't be among the world and, and uh, we can't look like them. We can't wear makeup. We have to, grow our hair out long that we have from, from the eyes view, we can't, we should be able to be picked out of the crowd from our eyes view. Well, can, uh, can we start, I think by just defining culture, you know, what, 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 what is culture and, and what look culture specifically so, are we talking about? Like Western culture? Yeah. I think for us is Western culture. Um, Google culture, what the definition of culture means real quick. Um, I think definitely for, for our context is Western culture, something that when we walk out of our door every day is what we see, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how we have to live, what we have to look like, or what, no, we don't have to look like, but what, what, what we look like, 
uh, the best way for our, our teenagers feel like they have to fit in. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, just a simple definition here by Google is the customs, arts, social institutions and achievements of a particular nation, people or other social group. Yeah. But when you talk about Western culture, I mean, there's so many, there's so many culture. If you just talk about the United States of America, like so how many, many segments? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the culture in Portland is drastically different than the culture in Houston. Mm-hmm. Even if you just pick the Houston area, the culture in Clear Lake, Friendswood area is way different from than the culture in Baytown where I live or from, you know, like. Yeah, but I think when we're talking about culture, mainstream is a, kind of the pop culture type mm-hmm. stuff that's going on, the mainstream stuff, uh, which you, you, from region to region, it is going to look a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, especially when you start going north and south, because, you know, we're always a little bit behind as far as. Uh, pop culture, mm-hmm. music, stuff that we wear, things that we say. If you go to New York, you know, I visited New York and, you know, things are happening. And you come home and a year later, you're like, oh, man, I seen that in New York. I heard that in New mm-hmm. York a year ago. So, so we're talking about, and what would we call it? Just like United the, States culture, pop culture. Pop culture, like yeah. popular culture, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good place to start with with that because – uh, the whole world looks at the United States, you know, and right. as far as the trends and the the artists, the music, the clothes, the 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 ideals and everything. They they take their cue from the United States. And I think it's funny because our cues come from around the world. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We like we take cues from all around the world because United States is a collaboration of the all the world. We bring everything here, and so all of our cues come from around the world, and we like mix it up and you know, perfect it or whatever you want to call it. And then we send it back out to the world. <laughs> I, that's, that's definitely the optimist perspective of, uh, of the, of, <laughs> of my pessimistic perspective of that. Cause I say uh, that um, Americans have, we have very little few things that we're actually original in, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we like to think that we, uh, you know, we're, we're the biggest and baddest. It was like, wait, we wouldn't exist or, or whatever's cool and relevant or whatever thing that we have is actually coming from somewhere else. It's coming from somewhere. We, yeah. we put our own spin on it and then give it to them like it's ours. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. everybody does that. That's what all culture is everywhere is they just take different cues from other influences. I mean, you can look at food's a great example of that. Uh, anyway. Tie dye. Tie dye came <laughs> in and out four yeah. or five times since the 60s, you know. Yeah. Uh, so all even that stuff. even right now with with uh, with the uh, generation uh, what is it X no Z the generation Zers right now um, they're all wearing vintage vintage and I say that in quotes you know clothing and it's stuff like you know uh, nine things in the nineties and all, and that's in right now that's 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 the thing right you know and so it's, what is it about the whole the whole culture thing that you don't brush your hair I don't, I'm just lazy no no no. <laughs> I mean, these young kids, you'll see them that they don't even brush their hair. I'm just like, did you like forget? And then you see them again and again. You're like, oh, that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't brush your hair. I don't really brush mine very much, though. But yeah, but your hair just kind of naturally yeah, I just parts let it, in a I way. let it do its thing. Yeah, I, I do it with my fingers, I guess. Mm. I guess I take. Yeah, it but you're like a rock star, so do whatever I want. you do whatever, yeah, you, do whatever want. you want. <laughs> want you live man. that crazy rock yeah. star well, life. Well, well, what's your what's your what was your original question again? So, kind of where where do you, where do we fall in line in these different You're perspectives? We as like Christians in general, or 
or ourselves. You mean like we like, as in yeah, personally or we as in Elam Church? Or we, Let's start out personally. Okay. What do you think you fall in line? Do you fire that us against them? Uh, we should just let culture influence the church or that, you know, it's more of a hybrid where it's Christianity in and for culture mm-hmm. uh, and where we can live and maintain in the same structure, but the direction is different. Man, I think that has each one of those has a potential of being their own segments. Well, the, so when I started looking at it and I should have brought all the scriptures, like every one of them is backed by scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I was going to say there's like with most things, there's like a balance between all of it. Uh, you know, they say you're in, we're in the world, but we're not of it. So we are part of the culture, but we're not necessarily, we're part of it, but we're not part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's always a good balance between let, all of that. Let me start I, off, oh, go ahead. Okay, let me start off by, by just coming at it from maybe a different perspective, because I wasn't raised in church, yeah. right? So I, I, I was saved when I was 19 years old, right? And um, I was, I was a still am a musician, but I was a, a clubbing musician. I would play at clubs, twenty one and over clubs, and all that stuff. And 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 I definitely had, I was a product of the culture, right at that time. And uh, this was back in, I got saved in two thousand eight, right. So, <clears throat> so whenever I got into church, but but more specifically, whenever I surrendered my heart to Jesus and He broke me, right. I approached it in a way that I I really tried to empty myself of everything that I knew and almost like a ground up kind of salvation. So early on, I was scared of my own shadow because I did not want to disappoint God. I wanted him to teach me. Mm-hmm. And not come in with it with my own thoughts, with my own opinions, with my own worldview, because I came to the place to where I understood that my worldview got me where it got me. And I'm asking God to take me out of that. Mm. So I approached it very, very carefully. And I, and with that, I, I, let me, and, and this is all for reasons, all backstory. And it's for this reason that whenever I did that, being a, being a musician, uh, you remember, you remember the old school iPod, uh, some of the kids, what, you know, old school iPod, the, uh, one that circle. had, yeah, the circle, the circle, but then also the one that had the fire wire that you had to connect uh-huh. on top and stuff like that. Well, the bigger one. Yeah. The bigger one, the yeah. original, the original ones, yep. right. Before color screen technology was yeah. and all that stuff. Well, you know, I had one of those and. I had thousands and thousands of songs on there, right? Just everybody and everything, all genres other than Christian, right? But everything else uh, on there. And whenever I had that transformation, whenever God really spoke to me and I made it a purpose that in my heart to just get away from all of this and just from ground up, man, I went and I deleted that. Mm. I deleted everything. I even had some video games back with the original Xbox because that, that was around that time too, right? Mm-hmm. I had some video games that I, I, I got out of the case and I snapped them in half. Nobody, my pastor didn't tell me that. 
You know, and I snapped them in half because I I, I wanted to start from the ground up. That's so some, what, that's some youth, youth pastor stuff there. All right, we're gonna next week. You bring your <laughs> secular stuff. We're gonna throw it in the fire. Bring uh-huh. me your PS Five. <laughs> I ain't gonna break it. I'm gonna use it. No. It's like those disco record burning uh-huh. parties. Yeah, and then you have that one guy disco in the trench coat that comes every week but never participates. He's like digging through the trash afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I say that I say that to answer your question like this that it, it for me I took a very very careful approach to it and kind of like you're talking about Kanye's working his way backwards mm-hmm. right I, I started from a ground up kind of thing and I uh, because I didn't want my my the culture that I knew and that I was a part of to to, to mess with God's things I wanted to learn God's things first and then now I find myself incorporating some things that are not sinful, that are not as detrimental, you know, they're, they're not, not at all. And I'm incorporating them back into my life now when I have a biblical understanding of what is right, what is wrong, what, what God is happy with and what God is not happy with. Um, and I just don't find that in a lot of in a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians that are just newborn or even those that are just stuck in their ways. You know, they'll say they'll say things like, well, I don't feel convicted about it. It's like, wait a minute, let's let's just consider what God says first. But anyway, I can talk about this forever. Well, so. <laughs> that whole thing, I don't feel convicted about it is is uh, an scapegoat for, for a lot of Christians. Yeah. Well, just because maybe you need to do some more soul searching because uh, you should be convicted of that, you know. Um, so let's just take them one by one, by one I guess. Uh, so Christianity against culture, us against them, and then how uh, culture really uses the church as like this refuge pra- uh, place against the culture. Um, where, where where is that bad and where is that good? What do you got, James? Say the question again. I didn't follow it. So uh, the whole culture of us against them, Christians against the world, uh, okay. uh, How is, where is that bad and where is that good? Um, because basically, so we're keeping the culture out. Christians are using the church as refuge away from them. They're bad. We're good. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that? How does that affect uh, the culture at large? Well, it, it, I think the bad thing about it is it, draws more of a line between Christians and non-Christians in a way where it kind of pushes non-Christians farther away from Jesus, uh, which isn't necessarily a good thing if you're trying to save as many people as you can. Right. Um, But it's also kind of a good thing because, you know, you're not supposed... How would you say it? Because you are supposed to have a separation between that culture and the church like there is supposed to be a line so it's i don't know man i don't know how to say well, it and th- yeah i mean that's, that's a big question but i i think i think of from where it it can happen negatively is that it's actually going against the great you know the great uh, commission right to go out there to yeah. go out there and invite them in, but in inviting them in, that also, like you're talking about that line in the sand, and I'm glad you brought that up because one thing that culture has never liked, whether it's this culture or any other culture that's existed in any time of history, is absolutes. And the church stands, should stand, let me say it like that, because not all churches stand on absolutes, and the absolute is that God's word is the standard. That's what it should be. But uh, where it, it becomes negative is whenever the the culture 
the ideas that are out there infect what's going on in here. Yeah, and I think we're going to start seeing more of this one right here, us against them, because the more that culture, politics, um, you know, the the media, all those people are, are attacking the Christian faith, I think that you're going to start seeing more hard lines, uh, you know, no, you're not going to come in, this is our sacred place, um, and then what's going to happen, what I see happening is it's going to give Christians a false sense of security of sin, right? Because we're up, in, we're, we're, we're among each other. Uh, we talked about it, you know, how Google and all those have, uh, what was the name of it? The uh, echo chambers. Mm-hmm. And what happens is same way for Christians. If we continue to have echo chambers here and we're not hearing anything from the outside, um, then we don't understand who they are, what they need, the medicines they need as far as the gospel and different things like that to reach them. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's kind of, it it is counterproductive for the great commission because we're supposed to go out there and we're supposed to infuse this, uh, Jesus culture, right? Right. This Jesus culture to the world and not the other way around. But Mm -hmm. you also, where we're talking about that balance now is that, but you need to give, the culture also something that's culturally relevant to where they understand where you're coming from. So, you know, we have to go out there and, and, and that's why, you know, kind begats kind and the way that you are is who you're going to draw. That's right. just, you know, I don't know what you want to call that a universal principle maybe, but who you are is going to attract the same kind of people, same kind of mindset, same kind of thing. Um, we just have to make sure, or me personally, I just have to make sure that what I'm infusing into the culture uh, is is Jesus and guard my heart, like the scripture tells me, uh, mm-hmm. from from the world infusing in me. Right. To where now I have this perverted gospel. You know? Yeah. And you see it in politics right now. That's what that's what's wrong with politics. And hopefully the bubble pops soon is you have. They've drawn a line like you have to be the either you have to be left, you have to be right, you have to be far left or you have to be far right. There's no, hey, there's a little bit of good out of both of these parties. Let's get back to the middle where we were at one time. And the problem is it just kept moving farther left and farther right, farther left and farther right, where now there's a definite, definite line, you know, back in, you know, when I was younger for somebody to run independent, wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. But now if you run independent, you can get ran out of the town, you know, because you need to pick a side. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's what happens is it, it, you pick a side like that, then you alienate the whole other side. And then, uh, and like you said, the Great Commission, if you alienate a whole side, then there's no way to reach them. Yeah, and I'm not the biggest optimist ever, you know me. <laughs> but it, 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 uh, it, one thing that is refreshing in, in, in the political sphere is that uh, New York, they tried to put a ban on churches recently, and right. the Supreme Court sided with the churches for the first time ever. And, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, they said that that's unconstitutional, and they sided with churches, and you cannot shut them down. So at least, you know, there's that. Yeah, I know they're, never mind, we don't even get into politics. I guess. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the the church that looks like culture. Ah. You know, and I know I've, me and Pastor Caesar have talked about this privately several times. 
And these are the churches that are saying, you know, we're baptizing 37 people every Sunday and we have 4 million new salvations a year and, you know, all these things because um, it looks just like where they come from. So there's not a whole lot of change, right? So they're just coming in here and they're seeing this new them and everything's going to be better now that they're here and they don't have to change. Um, the music's the same, the pastor's the same, everything's the same, except they're just partying in a different building. Well, yeah, people want to go to places where the other people look like them, talk like them, walk like them, dress like them, um, because it's familiar, and familiarity brings a certain sense of comfort. And that is not necessarily a bad thing, but but yeah, I I say that with a grain of salt, because when when it comes to biblical when it comes to faith, right, biblical faith, it's not supposed to be natural. It's supernatural. Right. It's spiritual. It's uh, tr- transformative. It's not, it meets you where you are, but it doesn't leave you there. It takes yeah. you to somewhere new. Yeah. And to expect the gospel to conform to our culture would be to deny the transformative power of the blood of Christ. Um, I don't want to be the same. And I, I, I say that because I, I think I have a pretty good understanding of how, of how bad my heart really is. Right? This is not about anybody else. It's about me. My heart can run to darkness really quick. Yeah. Really quick. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go to a place that, is going to encourage my badness, feed into my badness. I need a place that is going to draw a line in the sand and say, it stops here. Yeah. And, you know. And I think that's the problem, right, is that there is no line in the sand. So it looks like where they came from, they're teaching a different message. It does align with the Bible, but there doesn't have to be any great change so what happens is when the Bible talks about lines in the sand, black or white, um, these things, it creates this gray area. So when you create a gray area with the gospel, it creates a gray area who Jesus is. So is Jesus really the Savior? Mm-hmm. Is, was Jesus just a good man? Do, it, it, do we really have to follow just this one guy? Yeah. You know, all those questions begin to happen. And there's really what you was talking about. There was there's no hard, fast change. It says, like Vaughn was saying, for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's that, oh, well, this is OK. I can still continue to do some of the things that I'm doing. I can still have my wine and bread parties and, on, you know, on, on Tuesday nights with my small groups, mm-hmm. all those all those things that the culture has really changed uh, the church. I, one of these I'm not going to you know, mention any names or anything because they haven't had any more moral failures yet. Um, but you know, they was talking about how this, she's the pastor's wife and how the pastor was going to be this, you know, this, uh, whatever they call it when you go test wine and see what, you know, what grade the wine is Mm -hmm. and all that. And then their church exploded because they were having these small groups with this, you know, gourmet foods and wines. I'm just like, yeah, who wouldn't come? Yeah. Like, 
and they got a whole church out of it. There was a church yeah. plan out of it because their small group was gotten so big that they were doing small groups five nights a week. Yeah, you yeah. know, drinking wine and and having food and stuff like that. Yeah, and and so, what's the difference from the regular world? You know, exactly. It's because they they do that as well with mixers and those kind of things. There's there's no marked difference. And 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 by no means do I want anybody to think that we're we're talking about a a works based salvation that because yes. I don't drink I am a Christian. No, that doesn't. That's not what we're talking about here. It's just there must be a transformation that takes place in lifestyle. You know. Um, and and like, but you know, but one of the things as well in 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 with that perspective, I, I think that the traditional hardline churches also can learn something about branding and marketing mm-hmm. that we can't write that write that off and and say that that's all the devil because it's not the devil, it's not you know it's we 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 have to be good marketers of we have something that the world needs they just don't know it yet right the world when we were talking about this on uh oh man sunday i think um everybody has a need to be happy whether you are a christian or a satanist or whatever you everybody has an internal need seeking happiness for themselves in whatever way they define happiness to be but it we're always in pursuit of it we as Christians believe we have found the source of all happiness and joy. And we have something that even though they might not know what that is, we know what it is. And we need to get that to them. That's you funny know. that you say that because uh, I used to work with this atheist guy and, uh, and he wanted to know. He says, look, David, you know, you're a cool dude. And, you know, we work together, whatever. And it was one of those things that we avoided certain conversations because he knew I was I stood a hard line on what I believed. Yeah. He stood a hard line. I mean, he was one of those atheists that he knew you he knew your religion and your religion and your he he knew it better than everybody in the room, mm-hmm. right? Um so we would come together, we would just top shop, you know, whatever was going on in the business and this and that and then and then one time he was just like, I just want to know why. Why do you believe what you believe? So I began to tell him what I believe and he was just like, "Okay, I'm good with that. I'm good with that." I just didn't want you to tell me, and I forgot what, like what it says, some lame excuse why you like you believe in Jesus, you know. And whatever I told him, it pacified him for whatever it was. But he just wanted to make sure that it was a sincere belief that it wasn't this because my mom believed in Jesus. Now I believe in Jesus, yeah. you know. That there was a there was a, a something in my life that made me react to go to follow him, you know. And, uh, and, and I think that's culture in itself right now. They just want real, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever line that you fall on, just, just follow that line and be real about it. You know, don't yeah. just do it because that's the, the popular thing to do. I think all the culture questions pretty much get summed up by, uh, Paul when he's talking about, uh, when I'm with the Jews, I make myself as a Jew and I'm with the Greeks, I act like a Jew, Greek or whatever. And he's always like, you know everything's legal for me, but it's not all beneficial. And he kind of marries all that together. And the whole point was to not offend the people he's with, uh, not just for the sake of not being offensive, but so that uh, not to discredit what he's going to say. So if I go already, if I go to your culture and I offend your culture by like the way I'm living, you're not going to hear my message of the gospel for it. And it seems like, that's always like the goal when it comes to dealing with people's different cultures, not to offend so that you can get your message out, not so that, 
you know, you can change yourself and be more accepted, but it, with the intent of, so now you'll, you know, give me the time of day so that I can show you my gospel and all that kind of stuff. And all. Yeah, that's good. So what do you think about mirror? So we're still talking about the church and the culture looking the same. So what do you think about like language, like Christians that still cuss and use foul language? I, or do you think that we're, we can use certain foul language and not other foul language? Like if we're not saying the F word, but we can say, I think other I, words. I, I think Jesus. <laughs> I, 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 I think Jesus really. <laughs> yeah. Jesus really spoke to that whenever he said, "If you have hatred in your heart, you're already guilty of murder." You yeah. know. Yeah. And you can say, "God bless you" to somebody, and and if you do it with hate, God bless you. Exactly. That's you might as well cuss them out. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what word you use because the your heart language is already speaking. You know obscenities right and uh and but with saying that i i also believe that god he he sanctifies our mouth you know um and we should we should uh surrender to that i um of good conscience right i have never cussed after salvation and i had a mouth like a sailor mm. yeah. you're better than me bro that was one of the <laughs> hardest things that i ever had to do yeah. i mean truly i mean yeah, I mean, most of y'all know my, my, my past that I've been addicted to drugs and alcohol, cigarettes, you know, all kinds of tobaccos, all the tobaccos. Um, and, you know, those you had to have money to go buy and the energy to get in the car and go down the store and purchase them and all that stuff. But cursing is just, it's right there. Yeah. yeah. And it's in your mouth, it's in your mind and all those things. And it, it truly took a a mind switch for me and to be um, purpose about it and to change the words and conscious. Okay. If I'm not going to say that I'm going to, you know, maybe I was in just an ugly place, but you know, just be conscious about what words I was going to use instead of those words. And so I know that it's not easy, but some of these Christians are, they're going a little bit too long, you know, to to have the language that they're having. And, 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 some of them on on staffs at church, you know what I'm saying? And just like, come on, man, uh, it's not that hard. Even if you don't think it's wrong, but it's the influence on the other Christians that. Well, that goes, that goes back to what said. I just said, yeah. which is what I was going to say is yeah. if, uh, you know, you make yourself like them as to not to offend. So if you're, if I'm, uh, so if we agree, like it's not necessarily so much the specific sound that comes out of your mouth, but the intent that you have behind it. So you say, well, yeah, so I can say whatever words I want. But if you saying that is going to discredit you and offend a whole bunch of other people and it's going to keep them from hearing the gospel that you have to say, then you shouldn't be saying the words. Right. And that covers, you know, my next thought was like, who makes it a bad word anyway? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why why is the F word really a bad word? Like, what makes that a bad word? Culturally, we make that a bad word, so we can't say that it's a bad, you know. Uh, so, but like you say now that culturally it is a bad word and if it offends, which it does because you sit with those little bratty 13 year olds at a football game, you just <laughs> yeah. want to backhand them because every other word is the F word. Yeah. I'm like, come on. I know you're taking English in high school. Get it together. <laughs> Use something else besides that word. You're not smart enough. Man. Or, or no even more. like secular rap, you know, and I love, I love all rap, but like who can't rhyme off of every other word being the F word. Yeah. Like yeah. that's easy. 
you know, try to do it without rapping. And, I, you know, we was talking about Kanye earlier when, you know, his, his album, when you take staples out of certain rap sequences, like bad words, mm-hmm. and now you can't use those anymore. And 007 from the Fifth World Boys was talking about when he got saved, that was the toughest thing because if he was in a corner where he was trying to rap himself out of, a, out of that lyric when he was writing, you could always throw a cuss word or something in it yeah. and then rap out of that, yeah. you know? Um, but when you're a Christian, you can't do that, you know? Yeah. And I will, I will submit that, that, you know, language and, and uh, it's, it's all, it's all shapes and, and, and symbols and things that, that are ingrained in our memory, right? We associate certain sounds with certain memories and symbols. And so it, it's a very, it's a very habitual thing. So whenever we've incorporated a certain style of language and the way that we talk and our inflections and all those kind of things that we use now, whenever we know that there is that, that, that we, that there is a moral responsibility that we have that comes out the things that come out of our mouth. Now we have to, now we have to listen twice as much as we speak, mm, that's good. you know? And, and I think the reason that I was able to, to, and why I'm still able to hold my tongue is because I re like you said, you, you got to be purposed about it. Everything that I say has to, I know I'm using the word filter now, I used the word filter earlier, but it has to pass through a Jesus filter. Can I say this? What are going, what's going to be the consequences of what I say? How is it going to be perceived? And, you know, what am I trying to communicate and what's my ultimate purpose in saying what I'm about to say? And all that happens at a, in a blink of an eye. Right. So you have to, you have to do a lot of meditation, a lot of self-seeking, a lot of talking to the Lord and saying, God, you, you really got to do a work on my, on my mouth because I don't want to do anything that's going to offend you. And a lot of people like to think, you know, and I've had this accusation thrown at me time and time again, that you're walking around eggshells. How come you're not yourself? Well, well, that's very true. I don't want to be myself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to, whenever I'm myself, you're not going to like that person. Right. I'm not going to like that person. Yeah. And I, I want everything that comes out of my mouth to edify my brother and to edify God. You know, and and, but see, that's that's a and then people on the other side might be like, well, that's a very pastorly thing to say. But I was like that even before I was ever in in any ministry. So what about on the the opposite side of that, the Christianese type stuff where Mm. everything's like (laughs) super holy and you're oversaved? Even that is offensive, though, to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you start getting a little. The holy roller kind of stuff. Best by the best, brother. Best <laughs> by the best. A lot of people they'll shut you off real quick. Real quick. Yeah. You know, speaking on that, I, I got a, I got a few, uh, a, a few things that uh, just reminded me. I, I knew what we were going to talk about today. So, uh, you know, kind of Christianese and this kind of things in the Generation Z kind of oh, yeah, world. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, LOL. What's the popular understanding of LOL? Lots of love. <laughs> <laughs> As for you, Mom, I don't think she's ever even knows how to listen to you. She probably listened to your grandfather's. I don't know if she did. <laughs> maybe you're not, but it's it's like, it's a, you know, laugh out loud or what's the other one? Uh, it's supposed to be laugh out loud. Yeah, right? laugh out loud. Sure. Well, with the Christian spin on it, this is what uh, I guess I guess church kids use this. I, I don't know. I've never heard it. Um, LOL stands for. Loving our Lord. No. Loving our Lord. It's real churchy. That came out of Liberty uh, University. <laughs> Probably. 
<laughs> We're gonna move really quick See from you that at the bar. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> uh, uh, TTYL. T T. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. The Christian spin. Talking to you, Lord. Talking to you, Lord. Oh, come on. Uh, JK. Just kidding. Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom. Hey, going to church, JK. (laughs) (laughs) CYA. Cover your... See ya. (laughs) See ya. CYA, if you see that. See ya. That's not what I knew. (laughs) The Christian spin. Christ, you're awesome. Christ, you're awesome. (laughs) I don't see... Myself Are ever people take really use these? I, I don't. I don't no, know. Who, you know who uses these? You Who's who texting it? the Lord? Christ, you're awesome. It's people that go to Luby's. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the people, the the Duggars. <laughs> the Duggars. Yeah, the twenty one and counting with all the kids oh, and stuff. I stop. I, I stopped watching that so show whenever it was nineteen and oh, counting. Hey, the kids are going buck now. Are they? Oh yeah, they're out of the they're out of the you know hardcore Baptist thing that they they were part they of. They let the culture influence them. Now they, Doing the Amish thing. Now uh, they're going to the 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 small they, groups where they drink wine and ah uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you meant they're going out to experience the world. Oh man, well, I mean, they're for them it is. Yeah, That's, you know, they're regular Christians now. Yeah. Oh, oh shots fired, man! Shots oh. fired. Oh, a few more of these. A few more. There it is. <laughs> Drop the mic, but don't break it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, BTW. Uh, by the way, by no. the way, yeah. yeah, by the way, right? By the word, by the word. Okay, uh, really quick. Brb, be right back. Mm-hmm. Bed and breakfast. Oh, it's be be righteously right. blessed. Be righteously blessed. Couple more. Jk. And I don't, I don't want you guys to say this one, but uh, uh, LMAO. Ooh. What does I don't know what it means. Let's laugh your behunkus off. <laughs> right? Cover your behunkus. <laughs> it stands for, and this is L-M-A-O. This is Lord, may all overcome. Well, can you imagine, like, you send that to a Christian person, sending that to somebody else. You're like, you want me to what? You're doing yeah. what? You're laughing what? And you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that just—it doesn't seem like it's saving you any time. Isn't that what these are supposed to do? I—I yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Shorten these. Shorten all the words. The Duggars use these. <laughs> NP. NP. MP. Uh, NP. No, uh, no problem. No, no problem. Now praying. Now, now praying. praying. Why then, are you texting people that? Though? This doesn't make sense. These don't. Like make if any you sense. text them, they're like, "Nah, fool. Now praying." <laughs> <laughs> um, you coming tonight? Now, now praying. Now we'll praying. see. <laughs> Okay, and then last one, uh, THKS. That's thanks. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Okay. It's hard to imagine these in your head, yeah. right? Yeah. Not for not for Christianese folks. This is the Holy King's servant. Whoa. Why are you texting anybody that? Right. It sounds like somebody's just. I, I don't know. This is this is one of those cases where you're trying to be relevant and it goes the wrong way. Yeah. Yes. Wait, yeah. Like rapping like, for Jesus. This is that those first week Christians <laughs> that are like, look, I'm gonna rewrite the whole texting language. I'm on fire for the Lord in these first six days. Yeah. Yeah. But on the seventh day. On the seventh day. Y'all know the rapping for Jesus video. J.K. 
No, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, is that that one with the old, with the white old ladies? Oh, the no, old lady no, and the old guy? No, the one I seen was the choir. The Jesus is my N word. Yeah, that's mm. rapping for Jesus. Oh, dude. that is so a offensive. It's big and it keeps getting bigger. <laughs> that is so. <laughs> somebody had to step in and go, Nah, that's pops, Jesus. you can't do that. Mm-mm. The original GJC. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a jam. Man. Nah, James, you can't do that. It's a jam, man. <laughs> No, just rapping for Jesus. No, but like you know, I think I think uh, definitely uh, where some of this can can definitely like really hit a brick wall is kind of like just what we've seen in the last couple of weeks with Carl Lentz, right? That um, we see a church that has done a lot, and that's from the Hillsong camp. Um, he studied in Australia, came over here, started that church with Joel Houston in New York, and they're ten thousand people a week. Right. You know, so it's it's definitely thriving, but. You know, because of his moral failure, because of his uh, infidelity, um, that has consequences that with him, even whenever he came out, right, um, whenever he he just kind of like came out on the scene, this was the hipster pastor that was wearing leather jackets, V-necks, Jeans with holes in them. The that big were, droopy glasses that got on my last nerve. Yeah, yeah. Glasses. And then I don't care if you're a pastor or not. What are you doing with those glasses? That's dumb. And then, then, but it's it's it. He loves fashion, right? And yeah. but fashion has a. It, there's a. I'm not saying Christians can't be fashionable, but there is a certain level of humility that needs to come into play here as well, um, especially being. A moral leader, right? And uh, anyway, I mean, not, this is not to, to, to talk about Carl Lentz too much, but but he was kind of at the forefront, or he was at the forefront of a lot of this hip church that we see now. Yeah, you see a lot of you see a lot of churches following that trend, uh, being so relevant that uh, you know we we want to be. And see, it's 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 kind of it's kind of funny because it, it, it's 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 a it's a misnomer actually because you're saying that we preach uh, inclusivity and not exclusivity. Everybody's welcome, but you're only targeting one base, and only those that are like of an older generation. Either either it's a sink or swim kind of thing. Either yeah. you swim with us or you just go on down the road somewhere else. So um, you know, I I think that the church definitely has to have a place in being relevant but also not forgetting its identity. Yeah, the problem with a lot of those churches is that the churches are built off the face of a pastor. Yeah. And then that's when it gets in trouble, when it's such and such ministries on the side of the building. Yeah, because yeah. it's not based off of Jesus as much as it's yeah. based off of... Because at the end of the Carlin's day, you should be whatever. able to pull ex-pastor out and slide another pastor in and the church still going because it's not uh-huh. built on that person. Yeah. You know, of course, you're going to always have... Uh, personality, you know, things that go on that, damn, this this pastor just really doesn't speak to the way my ears hears words type stuff. But 90% of the, the church should stay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's going to be a few of them that like, man, I'm just, I just, it feels better to be over here the way it hits my ears. Yeah. You know, like when you listen to music sonically, people like different things more than others. That's going to happen. But when you start building a church off of, of a face, yeah. I think that we've done it really good here when when Pastor Ron built this church off of the Word of God. So when he stepped out, yeah, we'd lost a few people. Um, and Pastor Mark slid in, and we kept on going. Um, but it'd be interesting to see like how many of those people were built off that pastor and what the 
you know, what the attendance looked like the next day yeah, after, well, after I, these pastors fall and different things like that. I actually watched the the the, the message that I believe it was that Sunday message after after uh, his dismissal. Yeah. By the other guy that was uh, there, and I don't know if he's going to be their new pastor or not, but I think he was one of the pastors of the church, and you know, um, I, I think he titled it "Our Next Chapter." Right. And it was it was super positive and, you know, and, and not uh, he kept on saying the statement uh, like, you know, we're we're not going to we're not going to dismiss the past because that's where we came from. But we're not going to stay where we're at. We're going to move to the future, which was a good message. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a great it's a hurting church. You right. know, when I don't I don't, don't want to be too critical of the church. If, if that man had moral failures, well, then that's 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 on him. Right. But but. Nevertheless, I'm not going to discount all of Hillsong. They've done a lot of great stuff. Hillsong NYC has done a lot of great things. Yes. You know, that that anybody that has a ministry would wish that they could be used that way. You know, but. um, You just got to remember when Jesus made himself, um, when he brought the disciples back, back around after he was, when he was crucified, he was just like, go get them. Like, go get them. I know that they denied me. But he brought them back to him, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way with these pastors that are fallen. The Lord, if they're truly sorry and they can find repentance, then the Lord's going to bring them back into the family. They're not lost forever. Yeah, yeah. We, we got we to gotta approach them with grace, with prayer. And then also, but also with, you know, we also have to rebuke wrong. You know, and I think that's where the church now in a relevant culture and society, nobody wants to be corrected. Right. You know, now we live in a place now if if somebody would, you know, in the old school, a pastor would sit you down. And what that meant was that you stop doing what you're doing as far as ministry labors and stuff. You're going to sit down for a period of time. You're going to sit there and listen, grow and, uh, and and heal. And then you come back. And that, you know, and I've had this conversations with other pastors close to me. And it's important that we do that when we have, even if they're not pastors and ministry leaders and ministry uh, helpers and different things like that, it's important that, okay, listen, I know you had a mistake. You had a a weak moment. You you and your girl got pregnant, whatever it may be. Y'all got married. Y'all corrected it, whatever. It's important that we sent them down for correction of them. But it's also important for the rest of the church to see that you set them down and it's not okay. Because if you don't, what that tells the other 400 people in your church or whatever it may be, whatever church you go to, is it's okay. You can just keep on keeping on. You yeah. might have some failures, but it's all right. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And it's important that we have those things. It's important that your mom slapped your hand when you was doing, you was about to reach for the fire. Yeah. You know, one of those things that we, we learn from. And when I see my sister get slapped for, you know, reaching into the fire, that might be hot. I'm yeah. going to try to learn. We learn from other people's mistakes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then also just on the other side of that, like the punishment also has to fit the crime. For sure. You know, because if you get, you get somebody like, let's say uh, I have a youth leader that, uh, you know, that, that has a relationship they shouldn't have with a minor. I'm not only going to sit them down. Got to go. You got to go. You, yeah. ha- you have to go. That doesn't mean that I discount you as a brother in Christ or that, you know, you can or sister because, you know, you, you ladies can be like that, too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's that doesn't mean I discount you and write you off and say you're not a part of the kingdom and you're the servant of Satan and, and, and all that. But you will never have an opportunity. Yeah. To come back and work serve with youth. and work not with these youth, yeah, you know, not and because I believe as a shepherd of young people, 
I have to protect them. Yeah. Even even if they even if a person has restoration, and I believe I believe that can happen, and I believe they can go on and do great things for the Lord. That's that's fantastic, but you're not you're not going to do it here. Yeah, and the, and we and as a, as a church, we need to be able to be proactive in a lot of this stuff and say, what are we going to do when these things happen? Mm-hmm. As, as a church, I'm talking about corporately as a church in America or across the world, we are more reactionary yeah. than we are uh, anything else. So, um, so what do we do when one of our uh, team members come in and say, you know what? Uh, over the last couple of days, for whatever reason, man, I've been looking at pornography, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what do we do? Do we set them down? Do we tell the church? Do we, what, you know, all those things. And some of that stuff, it's not the church's business. Yeah. So it's the pastor's business to correct his flock and, and his leaders and stuff like that. And it doesn't always, like you say, it doesn't always X you out of ministry. Um, but it is a time where we figure out why. You know, mm-hmm. why are you looking at the pornography? Pornography is it's just one of those things that you're reaching out to because there's some other things going on in your life and, and to be able to walk them through it. But as people, we don't want to go to our pastor and expose those things because we feel like we will lose certain things in our life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, so now it's about us instead of about the overall ministry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, of course, there's a lot to unwrap in all of this. Right. Right. But but we live in a time now where we need to be culturally relevant. Um, we need to be able to present the gospel f- for now. I can't I, I can't I, I, you know, I can't go out there and preach to a, a, a culture that's of the 1920s because that's not what we have here. Right. We have a 2020 crowd. Yeah. And who, regardless of what generation you're in, you are in 2020. And the things that are going on right now, God is, has answers to them. Yeah. And we need to be relevant that way. What is, what is the need right now? And, and the, the, I think the, the cool thing is here, and a comforting thing, is that no matter what generation we're in, the human heart has always been the same. And we have a deep need for God, whether we know it or not. Yeah. That's for sure. And that's whenever we are, because we're called to minister unto the Lord, and whenever we're able to serve others and, 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 and give other people the word of God, that it's always going to be relevant. And all the other things, like the culture and the promoting and the marketing of it all and all, it has a place, but it's not the central focus. Yeah, and and the, there's two two thoughts. Is like, okay, where do Christians fit into pop culture, and then what does and we could talk about this at a different time. What does Christian culture look like? Mm-hmm. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the cultures in our church? How do we deal with the twenty something years old? But how do we also deal with the eighty year old? You yeah. know, and that's why you see it so many times where you have a traditional service in the in the or contemporary service because you're trying to meet needs. What are your thoughts on that? I might be getting into hot water on this one, but what are your thoughts on a contemporary service and a traditional service? I think that if it's done right, it can work. But what I normally see that it's not done correctly. Uh, what I normally see is it's a contemporary church and a traditional church, mm-hmm. not a contemporary service and a traditional service. Yeah. Right. So you have you have the old people show up, they leave, young people come in. 
which is not healthy mm-hmm. because we need people in our life to speak into our life to, for us to know what the next step of life looks like, what it feels like, what it hear, what it sounds like, all those things. So when we separate those things out, um, we're causing a, a gap into life. And what happens there is that that gap a lot of times turns into failure because there was no experience, yeah. right? Anytime that you have experience in anything, you do better than coming in it with no experience. Yeah. Um, so if I if I didn't play baseball in my life and then I try to hit a hundred mile off fastball, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But if I played baseball through a little kid and gradually I'm, I'm hitting a thirty mile an hour and a forty mile an hour, a sixty mile an hour, and then I graduate all the way up to hundred mile an hour, now I won't be able to hit that ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so that experience has to come in. The Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about how there's different responsibilities for different age groups, right? Uh, the old man's going to, they're going to dream dreams and all these different things. So it's important that if it's done right, if we do it as services, but then there's got to be times where we have to come together. There's yeah. got to be times where, um, you know, we do some good things like that. I think here at church when we have, the ladies doing the mentorship programs, but those have to be strong if you split the services. Mm-hmm. You know, those type of programs, those type of small groups have to be strong and thriving to have two services. Yeah, what do you think about that, James? I, I don't think it's, like, wrong to have two services, but like you said, it's tough to do it right. And I think if you have two different services, it just it opens up its own set of problems to resolve, which I think usually don't get resolved, just like you were saying. And, uh, I mean, of course, ideally, if you could have everybody together, you know, in this, you know, one mind, one accord, like all that stuff, that's the best. But, I don't know, you get you get a lot of people that have their own opinions on things, and it goes, uh, opposes. You know, you have the older crowd that likes things the one way, and you have the younger crowd that likes it one way, and you don't have enough cooperation of them both trying to cater to each other enough. And so then you end up with two services and they just kind of keep splitting things more and more. I think if you do, I I think the small groups things is super, super useful. Um, The more small group stuff you have, it kind of connects different crowds in the church that wouldn't normally, you know, maybe I would go to the contemporary service, but I go to some ladies' night thing. Well, I wouldn't go to the ladies' <laughs> one, but I go to some, well, I, well, <laughs> I go to some guys' night. thing, you know, and now I'm connected with some of the older guys in the church or some of the guys that I don't usually come in contact with that go to different services or something. And then, you know, you're all kind of, you feel a lot more part of the same team, the same church, and it helps you promote the same goal, which is, you know, winning others. Yeah, and I think that you see stuff like that work. We, when you have a large full-time staff that can manage those things. Yeah, that's true. If you don't have a full-time staff that's focused on integration, you know, uh, integrating the old and the new and the um, all those different things, that it's really, really tough for it to happen naturally because naturally it wants to split. So you have to have some um, really narrow in the focuses on, on the in-between to bring it back together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the relevant church, um, whatever church that might be, will always have a problem with that because you do have those people that are traditional as well. And, you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other, right? but the, but the relevant church is always the one that wants to be at the forefront rather than 
at the curve. Right. You know, because if you're at the curve, then you're too late already. Right. But uh, it's it's not only a uh, it's not only a uh, a culture problem; it's a generational problem because mm-hmm. this generation has has different a different mindset than somebody that's older. Right. And being able to marry the two is very very difficult. But uh, I I think that's that's the challenge of running a successful church. It has to be a multi generational. Has to be a multi generational church, and then the and then the the lead, the head of the church, not just the lead pastor, but him and the people in his immediate group. Leadership team. The leadership team have to be able have vision and the ear of some younger people and trust it, right? Because as we grow, and I know y'all make fun of my age a lot. <laughs> I'm really not that old. But as we grow, we grow into places where we're comfortable, Yeah. right? So what what we did yesterday is not as comfortable as what we did today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard for us to go, let's jump 10 years ahead of ourselves, you know, and, and meet the needs of these 20 years old because the guitars are really loud and the songs are different. And I don't listen to the, the popular uh, Christian music that's on the radio right now. So when the songs are played on the screen, I don't know them. So I'm reading lyrics instead of worshiping and that's not right. I should be worshiping and all those things because we don't want to get out of that place of comfort. Mm-hmm. So as the pastor gets older, as a, as the leadership team gets older, you naturally move into that space. And um, unless you're purpose about it, then you're going to move there without without even knowing you're moving there. Yeah, and then and then just kind of like a big picture kind of thing is that heaven already has its program for worship and what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't look like anything down here. Right. No eye has seen. So maybe the the Church of Christ got it. No, no, no instruments. Nah, nah. There's instruments. We know there's instruments. It goes back to that question. You know, well, my Jesus. No, yeah, but but you know, it it's it's one of those it's one of those things to where we have to understand that even our worship on Earth is not perfect. It hasn't. We haven't ascended to that level yet. It will be perfect. Right. But to think that we can have the fullness of heaven on earth as far as what it's supposed to look like, well, n- no, there, there's a, there's something coming. There's something else. Right. God has His own worship service in the way that it looks, and we try our very best to model after that, model our, our our worship services after that. But what I'm talking about is what we are experiencing now is only a shadow of greater things to come, and right now we have to deal with so much flesh worldliness even within ourselves and we have to acknowledge how much worldliness we still possess each and every single one of us no matter how long you've been serving god that there is still an element of world and flesh that you have to deal with and that won't be done with until uh, we get our glorified bodies in the future so let me ask you this question before and we're gonna we're gonna close on this one because i know we've been going a little bit but if if somebody comes to you and says Listen, I feel like what you're doing without just not getting our feelings or anything like that, but I feel like what you're doing is more of a show than it is leading worship. Um, what's your response to that? Because I've heard this from multiple people that just don't understand the music, 
don't understand because traditionally you have a worship leader and he leads worship. Um, but the way contemporary does, we have worship leader and then we have singers and they each get a song and, you know, it's, it's a little bit more flashy. You got Josh skipping across the stage in his boots <laughs> and stuff like that, which is Josh is feeling the Holy Spirit when he's doing that. He's not doing that to perform. You know, that's Josh worshiping through his, his worship song. Yeah. Um, but to somebody else that looks like, that looks like an Elvis concert that they went to when they were, um, when they were a kid and their parents were telling them that's the devil's music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you say to them? What can you say to them? You know, it's uh, King David. He experienced that as well. Yeah. DJ hopefully, King D, uh, right? Hopefully Josh keeps his clothes on. <laughs> right. Uh, um, but, you know, he experienced that as well. And, and I, I think the question or, or, or really the answer to the question always needs to go back to we, we, we worship an audience of one and our audience is God the Father. Yeah. Right. You know, and regardless on how that looks like, and of course you had to do things decently and in order. So don't get all crazy on me and thinking that I'm, I'm allowing everything because things have to be done decently and in order. But um, as far as my understanding, that is very much in order. And come on. I mean, we, it's, we have roots in the Pentecostal uh, time whenever that was really hitting right. people swinging off chandeliers and chopping heads off snakes and stomping and flopping and, around on the floor and, and doing all that. You know, if, if somebody skipping across the stage is an issue, well then uh, I, ho- I hope you were as vocal a couple years back whenever that was your crowd. And whenever you were there and you were in the relevant zone right. right what did were you such an opponent then i just i think you just got to be uh, anytime somebody's going to give you criticism with anything you just got to be honest with yourself so if they say hey i think you're i think you're up there intentionally trying to just put on a show so you can you know get people to cheer for you or whatever you know you got to be able to be honest with yourself and say well wait am i doing that is that what i'm doing and if you know if you're honest with yourself you can honestly say i think maybe i am maybe i need to rethink things or i can say no this is just how i worship god i'm trying to worship him in spirit and in truth you know so then you don't have to worry about being offended when you will be able to you know explain that to them but and, and that my my answer was going to come kind of in that area is except coming from a leader so if i'm a worship leader i have to be able to know through relationships that the people that I'm putting on stage are there to lead worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not there for prideful positions. Yeah. Uh, and that they are um, in a place to be able to lead from worship, mm-hmm. not lead worship. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you don't have that, if you have a bunch of paid musicians up there because they make good music, that's the issue. But if you have people up there that are, are truly leading from worship, there shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And then like me, you've just kind of taken a different, just a different perspective to those things. If that was the case, if somebody said, well, you know, you're, 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 you're performing, you're doing, you're doing that. Well, uh, let's not confuse that with having good production. Yeah. Production's necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, Vaughn was talking about the difference between uh, perfection and uh, what, what, how did he say it? There's a difference between, perfection and I don't remember. So I don't want to misquote. Yeah. yeah. But basically it was doing the best that you have. Right. And if you have it all, use it all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what do you think about smoke machines and 
in church. I think if you, they can be used tastefully. Yeah. I think if you buy a $3,000 light fixture that you definitely want to see that beam. <laughs> yeah. But you better have everything else if you're buying $3,000 light fixture, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's a, it can be done tastefully. I'm, I'm not one that says that, uh, that the Holy Spirit can only move whenever all the lights are on. Yeah. You right. know, um, that's, that's silly. That's, 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 uh, that's an expression thing. You know, that's like, this is what I'm used to. But because the lights off now, Satan's in our worship. No, because the first experience with the smoke machine was in the club. So that's what they remember, you know. So it's one of those things. Well, actually, I mean, we can take that back. That whenever, whenever the, whenever the temple was finally built, and what? then God stamped the seal of approval on it, He came as <laughs> as as a cloud of what? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, smoke machine. I mean, we whenever uh-huh. whenever God first appeared before people, before a mass amount of people, because He was all he, the only. And the only instances where God appeared uh, to people was only in a personal way. But the first time he chose to reveal himself to a, uh, more than one person, how do you do? He set a mountain on fire. And with that fire came smoke. So if we really want to go there, we can go there. <laughs> you know, it's uh, if anybody is a performer, the greatest performer of all time, uh, even uh, even one that exists out of time is Jesus Christ, because he knows how to make an entrance. Whenever he comes back, he's coming in on a cloud with trumpets and music and sound. And guess what? Jesus was the first rock and roller, right? He was breaking <laughs> rocks and stuff. When I mean, come on. Hey, he said he said if if, if you don't praise me, these rocks are gonna That's cry. Right. Out. Rock star, rock star. That's what I'm talking oh about. Oh my gosh! I'm there we go. <laughs> You there finished my joke. I didn't uh, get it out, but oh, you, you know, you did it better than I was doing it. <laughs> Rockstar. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thanks for, for joining us. I know when we talk about cultures, always kind of a, a deeper, a deeper conversation and y'all been used to some, some more lighthearted stuff, but uh, we're going to give it to you both ways. We're going to have some fun. We're going to get in a little bit deeper sometimes for thanks for joining us. Leave a comment, give us that five star, five star review. And We love you. This is the Refuge Project. I'm not going to trust a 90-pound guy for food choices.